Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 244th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys today. We've got we've got a lot to talk about. Uh the future. We got we we got a pot announcement that we got to make. Carolina landed their second transfer of the offseason. A lot of former Tar Heels have found new homes, schedule updating, and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod thought of the day. And we go to legendary UCLA head coach John Wooden. And his quote is, if you're not making mistakes, then you're not doing anything. I'm positive that a doer makes mistakes. And look, man, there's there's no denying after the year that Carolina had in 2022-2023 that they made mistakes. And they made a lot of them um, in route to a 20-13 and 13 year that saw them miss the NCAA tournament completely. The first preseason number one team to do so since the field expanded uh, to 64 teams back in 1985, and you know it, it just it really it really made for a long season. There was a lot of yelling on the pod, a lot of sleepless nights for me as a podcast host, a lot of frustrations from players, players' parents, and then of course the coaching staff. And you know one of the thing right now, one of the things right now that this staff is is tasked with doing is trying to make amend for those mistakes. And, you know, I think the thing about about Huber Davis and his staff is that they've been very proactive since the season came to an end, trying to to get this team back where we expect them to be, which is atop the ACC and atop, you know, and be among one of the, the elite teams and programs in all of college basketball. And so, you know, th- this is going to be a, a learning experience um, for Huber Davis as he enters what's going to be his third season on the job in Chapel Hill when it's going to be a pressure-packed one. 
um, because the last time a coach missed consecutive NCAA tournaments, he didn't come back. And, you know, we've said really all year long, once the season kind of went sideways, we're not in the business of firing Huber Davis. It's not it, it's not what is best for Carolina basketball uh, in the short term nor the long term. And hopefully with the addition that we're going to talk about here coming up, Carolina does take a step closer to returning to being a NCAA tournament type of team. But now we're going to move into an announcement about the pod. You may have seen uh, us talk about this on social media. Um, those of you that have been longtime listeners or you just came to know us here recently, you did know that we were a podcast associated with the Basketball Podcast Network. Well, as of uh, as as of March 31st, um, we were we were informed that the podcast was no longer going to exist. And um, the uh, network, uh, the network, yeah, the podcast yeah, yeah, the will ne- be here. <laughs> well, we don't we don't know about that either. But the network, um, the network will no longer exist. But we, as a podcast, we are still going to exist. We will still be here talking Carolina basketball. The first thing um, that I want to do is is thank the Basketball Podcast Network because, you know, we've seen a lot of growth in the last two-plus years of this podcast. Uh, we have done record-setting months in January, February, and March of this year, and none of that would have been possible without them. They have been so gracious. They were able to get our content to a larger audience, and they helped grow our audience to numbers that I never even thought was possible. Um, and, and you know, they 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 just they they got us in touch, and we got to meet so many other great podcast hosts and content creators along the way. And um, you know, as much as we selfishly love the success of the pod and seeing it grow the way that it's grown the last two years, a large and a big thank you goes their way. They, they they contacted me at the best time. You know, we were coming off Roy Williams retiring. Remember, before we rebranded, we were the Roy's Boys podcast. And it was just the perfect time for me to launch a, a rebranded show um, that, that really tied and connected us back to Carolina basketball and everything, you know, that, that we tried to do here. And with their help, you know, they, they were able to help us push our content out. And we really saw, you know, our, our, our audience uh, fan base grow in ways that I never thought was was possible. But like I said, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to be here. We're already in talks with some other people about finding a new permanent home for the podcast. Because, you know, the good news is, is when you have a lot of people that listen to you and download you, you do have. You do have a product that is in demand, and some people have taken note to that. And so while we were kind of down and out when we got the announcement that the the, the network was going to fold, it, it, you know, I, I am still very optimistic and upbeat about the future of the Four Corners podcast, just like I am about the future of Carolina basketball, because at the end of the day, like as much as as much as I love talking about this team, and, and I and I and I do, this is I, I often refer to it as my life's work. It, you know, there, there's a love and affection for this program that, you know, I, even in words, I cannot describe. The end of the day, we do the show for you guys, to entertain you guys, to bring you a different perspective, a different opinion on Carolina basketball, whether that's good, whether that's bad, 
whether that is indifferent or not. And so, you know, with that, uh, we just want to say a, a, a massive thank you um, to the Basketball Podcasting Network for everything they've offered us over the last two years. But uh, we will be here moving forward talking about this team, this program uh, for, for many years to come here on the Four Corners podcast. Um, we have also we have received some people that have said that this is Hubert Davis's fault, and um, <laughs> this is I mean what 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 lengths are we willing to go to at this point, guys? Come on. Yeah, I mean, look, I may have fired him, but he didn't fire me because you know he knew what I said at the time was right, and uh, I'd like to believe that. The run to the national championship was fueled by audio of yeah. short, overweight, balding podcast hosts telling him, hey, this ain't good enough. So Let's see. Short, overweight, balding. Yeah, you hit all three right there. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what he said. That, that's I'm what I got. In, in- that he is a listener um, as of this year. I think what it was was he probably, you know, last year after you fired him and everything, you know, he probably said, ah, I can't listen to this one for the rest of the season. Too negative. I'd like to think this year, though, he really jumped in and was a part of what, what, what you know, what saw a, a boost in our listenership. I, I think he was in for the, for the majority of the year, and I think it, it'll only help him moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hope so because uh, hopefully I'm talking about him being my head coach for the next decade or so. So, you know, a, a lot of talk this offseason about where Carolina was going to go in the portal. Of course, they landed Paxson Wojcik back. Uh, it's been almost, it feels like a month or so ago, and then the news kind of quieted down around Carolina basketball. Um, you know, we we got through the Final Four, we got through the national championship, and you typically do see news around that time kind of simmer down so the sport can have a spotlight moment at the Final Four. But even coming out of that, just kind of a little bit, of, a lot more, or n- not a whole lot of noise. But but that that changed er- earlier today as Carolina did land Louisville transfer Jalen Withers. He has committed to us uh, to unc he uh he has spent the last four years at louisville he's played three he did redshirt uh as a freshman back during the 2019 2020 season you know th- they're talking about a 6 8 230 pound forward that is from the state of north carolina so he does have ties here to the area and you're talking about a guy that during his his stint with the cardinals he did produce. You go back to his redshirt freshman year, he averaged 10 points a game. He averaged 7.7 rebounds. And he did so while shooting 55% from the field and 38% from three. His last two years, not as efficient and effective. Uh, 5.8 points two years ago. Uh, his shooting numbers dipped down to 41% overall and just 23% from three. And then this past season, while Louisville was a four-win basketball team, mind you, 8.9 points per game. Um, He was shooting 43% from the field, but his three-point percentage did jump back up to 42%. And, you know, kind of when I got the news broke and people asked me, okay, what do you think? And look, on the surface, 
Carolina's not in a position to be picky. You lose the 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 the, the amount of guys that you lost from your wing to the transfer portal or graduation. You've got to get dudes. You've got to just get bodies back in back back on your roster. But I look at this guy and say, in the right situation with better talent around him where he can be put in the best situation to be successful, I think Carolina got a guy that can be a consistent contributor night in, night out. That just wasn't the case the last two years as Chris Mack ran the Louisville program into the ground and a lot of guys, you know, jumped ship, even a a former Louisville player in Kenny Payne coming to take over the program couldn't really save that, 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 that ship from sinking. But, you know, he's going to join a roster that's widely more talented than what he played with last year in Louisville. He's going to have a big man in Armando Baycott that's going to demand a double team every time he gets the ball on the low block. He's got a guy in R.J. Davis that we feel like is is, is an all-ACC caliber player. And he just hasn't had that around him the last two years. And so, you know, is 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 he one of the more sexy names that Carolina could have got so far in the transfer portal Maybe not, but I look at Jalen Withers and say, if if the guys around him perform the way that he performs, this could be a guy that could be a big part of what Carolina does next season as they try to make their return to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, you know, first thing I, I noticed when I watched him, I thought his mid-range game was outstanding. And we saw some teams in the NCAA tournament that really – thrived off of playing in the mid-range. You need guys that are able to knock down shots, and everybody thinks that that means that you have to have guys that can hit the three. And to a certain extent, you do, and I think Carolina really wants to find guys that can do that at a consistent level uh, to put on this roster. The concerning thing with Withers is is that you look at this season, yeah, he shot at 41% from beyond the arc, but he did so on just 96 three-point attempts. That is eerily similar to what we saw a year ago from Pete Nance when he was brought in here. And we know how things went for Pete Nance. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing is, you go back to his sophomore season, shooting 23% from the on the arc, that's incredibly concerning. But I still think that this is a guy that, Coming in as a senior, you would hope that he has put that sophomore season completely behind him. Um, and if he can be what he was a year ago, you, you would you, you could probably live with that. Uh, I would still implore Carolina to look for somebody that can play on the wing um, over him because I think uh, if, if you're being honest with yourself, if you're Carolina, this is a guy that probably fits more as a sixth seventh man uh, as opposed to being a full-time starter maybe he does have to start a little bit for you we've seen you know Carolina's dealt with injury issues and different spots uh, mainly you know with Armando Baycott and the ankles Uh, if he had to go into the starting lineup if you had to go with a little bit of a different look uh, or something like that I think he's definitely more than capable of doing that started 29 games this past year Um, but I, I, I think there are are some things to really like. I mean, on the offensive end of the floor, um, which is where I think he, 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 you're you're hoping he's going to make the biggest impact. I mean, he's aggressive going to the basket. We saw that when he played against Carolina earlier this year. Um, and again, I, I think the mid range is the area where he is 
really, really special uh, and knocked down some really tough shots. So I'm encouraged by what I saw from him, but I think at the same time, there's probably a lot of people that are hesitant to get overly excited about a guy like this, where his production is at, because it's somewhat similar to what we saw from Pete Nance a year ago uh, coming out of Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is this is this is a step. This this isn't the final piece Carolina is is going to add to its roster for next season. You know, they're 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 they've they kind of emerged as the favorites to land Harrison Ingram from Stanford, a guy that that offers a lot of upside and potential. But you're talking about a guy that has started over 60 games playing at an ACC school. Um, and, and and to me, that matters because a lot of the guys so far that Carolina has expressed interest in before they got involved with Withers and then Ingram have been guys from mid-majors. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in this day and age, uh, you see a lot of guys that can make that transition from the mid-major level of basketball to a power conference level and and make it smooth and and not really noticeable. But, you know, I'm still scarred by watching Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling try to make that adjustment. It was painful to watch. And so I, I do feel like Carolina needs – and look, let's just be honest. Carolina needs more they, – they need a better talent than what they had a year ago. They they had experience, but they, they didn't have enough talent to win some games – that they needed to win to make the tournament. And I'm not saying this guy's the answer to that, but, you know, let's just say, for instance, if he does have to start, at least you know you're not playing four on five on offense anymore. Like, he does offer more as an offensive player than Leaky Black ever did during his five years in Chapel Hill. You look at the way that he can impact the game on the glass. I mean, his freshman year, over seven rebounds per game. His lowest total was his sophomore year where he averaged 4.6. So you got a guy that can that can impact the game in a multitude of different ways. And I think I think Carolina needs that, you know. Um and, I, and I, like I said to to begin with, I think in, in the right situation and we're hoping this is what this is going to be, he can be a formidable player. Uh, he's is he going to be a star? Absolutely not. But can he be your fourth, maybe fifth option? I think that answer that answer is yes. There is, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about with, with the way that that Hubert Davis has attacked the transfer portal since he became the head coach is a lot of the guys that he goes after from major conference players, whether you know it was Justin McCoy, his first offseason as a head coach, or now really right here with Jalen Withers. A lot of these guys are guys that Carolina missed out on when they were initially recruiting them. And, you know, while they never officially offered Jalen Withers a, a scholarship with him coming from the Tar Heel State, you would imagine that they had enough of a background and there was enough familiarity between the two that that made a lot of sense for them to get involved with him once he entered the transfer portal. When you look at that, is that something to where that could raise cause to be concerned that maybe they're not, they're not doing their due diligence enough to get, you know, other players here to Carolina and it just feels like they're just going the easy route with guys that they have prior established relationships with? Uh, I mean, I, I don't nah, I don't I don't know about that. I, I think with McCoy, what it was was 
you know, you got to think when they brought him in, it was extremely early in Hubert's tenure. And I feel like that's a guy that he, you know, as he was with many of the guys on this roster, was either the lead recruiter or at least a big part of the recruitment of these guys, especially in state. And so I feel like with McCoy, that was just one where he's, hey, he's in the portal. I know him. I have a connection with him already. Uh, I need to get somebody in here. I need one of my guys in here, somebody that I can label that at least. And I think he went out and got him. And also with, with McCoy, the thing with him was, you know, you looked at him, the size, he could have provided a little bit of versatility, could have played, you know, that that stretch four or the the three spot if you needed him to. And he had some upside to him. Like, this was a dude that was legitimately well thought of coming out of high school. Like, there's a reason Tony Bennett brought him in. Um, it's just a guy that didn't work out. And, you know, we, we've said it. He, he fits the mold of some of the guys that Carolina has brought in in recent years that ultimately are just not power conference guys. I think he's going to go to Hawaii, and I think he could make a pretty decent contribution. Um, you know, maybe not to the same level that we saw uh, a guy like Andrew Playtech this, this this past year, but I, I think he could probably be the 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 second or third uh, best player on that Hawaii team. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. Um, you know, in terms of this one with Withers. I mean, I guess that's that's part of it. That that, that connection probably helped. Certainly, him being a a guy that's from Charlotte. Um, his dad is Curtis Withers, who played at uh, the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's an element of it. But do I think it's the main reason that they brought him in? No. Uh, here's the thing. I mean, you look at the wing spots. How many legitimate options do you really think are out there when you look at the guys that are in the portal? Because, um, I mean, you got Harrison Ingram, who who I like, but to me, Harrison Ingram is no question. He is a three. He, he's your, uh, number three. He, there's no way in hell that that dude is playing the four spot. It's it's He doesn't have the size, in, in, in my opinion, to play there. Um, he doesn't – I mean, his game does not involve really any post play at all. Um, Withers, it's, it's not – there's not a whole lot of that, but it's still there. He rebounds the ball at a pretty decent rate, 5.3 rebounds per game. So I guess you could potentially put him there. Um but I, I, I think this is just one of those things where there's not a lot of big-name guys out there. Also, Carolina is kind of needing multiple guys here. So if you know they get him and then let's say they go out and get um, a Dalton Necht or – um, you know, there there could be other guys that end up surfacing. I mean, there's still guys that are entering the portal, you know, as as we sit here today. Um, I, I think most people would probably be all right with that. And that's the thing, is that this has to be something that Carolina builds off of. If they're trying to tout this as their biggest move in the portal, then Carolina's got a lot of problems. But I think that this is you know, a, a, a still one of the smaller moves because I feel like, you know, you started out with, with, with Pax and Wojcik 
I think what this move does, and especially if you get Harrison Ingram, this pretty much eliminates the possibility that Wojcik is going to have to start, which is yeah. which is good. I think does that now does that mean that Wojcik can't start? No, but what it does is, hey, we want you. you you're going to have to come in here and compete. If you play well enough, we'll start you. If if you don't, and we feel like you're a guy that's better suited off the bench, well, now we have enough guys ahead of you where we feel comfortable with that. So I think that is that that's kind of what they're looking at this as. And I'm going to tell you right now, guy that came back on the market today, not a transfer portal guy, but a guy that is technically going to be a recruit. Don't really understand how he is able to be back on on the market as a non-transfer portal guy. Um, but Mackenzie Mbaku is somebody that Carolina, I think, should take a serious look at. Um, early indications are that Carolina is one of the teams that is going to be extremely interested. It's them and Louisville. Um, Louisville, it's because of his connection. You know, he, Of course, he was a Duke commit, um, ended up decommitting today uh, or being released, rather, from his uh, letter of intent today. Um, and his re- recruiter for a while was Nolan Smith. So that's the connection there. But Carolina is that other team that they're talking about. And, you know, when I watched him, I think he's basically just a younger, probably eventually a more polished version of what Jalen Withers is. Really good in the mid-range, can hit the three ball at a pretty nice rate, drives the basket extremely well. So I think there that, that could be another move that we haven't talked about a lot because it wasn't something that was really thought of at any point until just today. Um, but I think that's an area where Carolina could look to go. And if they bring in Jalen Withers, they get Harrison Ingram, and then they can somehow land Mackenzie Mbaku, I think we're feeling pretty good about where Carolina's at. Yeah, no, there's really no excuse for them not to be heavily involved in, in trying to land him now that he's back on the the market as a recruit. Um, and, and look, I, I would imagine that Hubert Davis and his staff have already reached out. They've already, you know, tried to to start making their push for him to to sign with Carolina, which would just kind of, you know, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the type of spice of a rivalry or or, or between Carolina and Duke. War like back in other recruiting wars. He simply just decommitted because Kyle Filipowski is coming back because he's not ready to go pro. And he needs to go find somewhere that 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 he can play. Guess what? There's a lot of room and opportunity at Carolina for those types of guys. And so, yeah, I would imagine that Huber Davis and his staff do get heavily involved. You know, because like as you said, Withers, Withers is a piece. He's the first step. You got to build off of that. You know, I, I I would love to see Harrison Ingram in Chapel Hill. You know, it, it, Nick Timberlake received a crystal ball to come to Carolina, and then there's, everything's just gone quiet on that front. Dalton Neck, you know, you look at him like, look, I, I know those numbers. He can put the ball in the basket. He plays in the Big Sky Conference. That's a massive jump in terms of just talent level, um, you know, for, for any type of player. But he he, I mean, he has been, been contacted by Kansas and, and other Power 5 schools, so – a lot of people do see kind of, you know, they, they, they do see something in them that, that make them want to go get them. 
the reason I poised the question or, or uh, brought the question up about are they doing it enough, you know, when, when they're trying to find recruits to go after or transfer targets is the fact that they were so quiet on LJ Cryer was what was on the surface, it was kind of dumbfounding. And it didn't make a whole lot of sense because we've seen LJ Cryer play at the level he's played at the last couple of years at Baylor. And you're talking about an All-American type of guard. Um, and you just lost Caleb Love. And I know Paxton Wojcik is a guard, but I don't think Paxton Wojcik should have stayed you know, in the way of you maybe going and in, in recruiting a guy like LJ Cryer to join your program because you would put him, you know, you put him and RJ Davis in the same backcourt. Carolina maybe has the best backcourt in, in the ACC next year. But when you, you go back to that Brendan Marks article and, you know, as much as we made Caleb Love out to be the villain for the way this season went, some blame deserves to go on R.J. Davis's shoulder the way he reacted to not being on the point guard list and ultimately had himself removed from the shooting guard list, which was just very comical that that type of stuff gets you in your feels or something like that. What did you make of, of Carolina not being at all involved, at all interested in getting a guy like L.J. Cryer into the program? Because I was of the opinion that you know, even R.J. Davis, a guy that I openly refer to as my favorite current Tar Heel, shouldn't stay, shouldn't have standed in the way, shouldn't have stood in the way of getting that type of guy in Carolina's uh, uniform. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. I, I thought that it was something that they probably should have at least, con they, they should have at least reached out and contacted him because, again, the ultimate thing that we, that you said earlier, and I've said it on social media, and I may have said it on here uh, on the podcast before this offseason. Um, ultimately, what this team needs right now is talent. And I get it. it. It's, you know, there there are guards that are currently on this roster that this staff may like a lot. Um, I know a lot of people did not like my thought of going after LJ Cryer, going after um, Ryan Nemhard, because they basically said, look, we've got guards that are on this roster right now uh, that we're afraid of losing. My thing is, is I don't, I don't care about that. Um, my, my, the, the thing that I would point to at this point is you look at those guard spots who right now do you know is going to be a starting caliber player of those guards outside of RJ Davis? Nobody. You don't. Yep. I look, I I like, I still think that Seth Trimble has a chance to be a really good player. Seth Trimble is he's he's got a ways to go in terms of what he does on the offensive end of the floor, scoring the ball and sharing the basketball. Um, you, you look at DeMarco Dunn. I, look, I like what DeMarco Dunn did. He took a step this past year, and I think if he had a more consistent role, which again goes back into that conversation of how Hubert Davis handles his rotations, um, I think he, he, he could have been a, a contributor off the bench. My thing is, is as of right now, do you believe that he is a guy that can be more than that? I, I don't I don't know. I think there's a chance 
But I think there's a chance that he could peek out as being a guy that's very similar to what we just talked about with Jalen Withers, a guy that's your sixth, seventh guy off the bench, which is still important. Uh, And then, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, what about Simeon Wilcher? I like Simeon Wilcher a lot. Um, saw, you know, him, I, I watched, you know, a, a decent amount of one of the games that he played in the, I forget what they call, I don't, I don't even, I don't remember the sponsor for it, but the state title game showcase or whatever that was that they hosted, that, that they had this past weekend. And I mean, look, he, he, he looks, he looks really good, but we've seen this before with high school guys. We just, there's no guarantee where with prior with, Nemhard, you know these guys, they've they've done it at the college level and they've done it at a high rate. I will say this, I think the thing with LJ Cryer and maybe the reason why Carolina stayed away from him is his comments about when he entered the transfer portal. He said, wherever I go, I'm a point guard. Um, and I look, I get it. There are guys that that think that they can play a certain position. I mean, we're, we're potentially dealing with that with R.J. Davis. L.J. Cryer last year averaged 2.1 assists. So it's not like he was exactly, you know, the, this this magician sharing the basketball where it's like, no, that makes, that makes sense why he wants to be a point guard. Really, he just wants to be the primary ball handler. Is, is what he ultimately wants to be. So that one, yeah, I guess you could you, you could sell me on that being one of the reasons they wanted to stay away. Um, and we've seen some rumors. I don't ultimately, I don't think it will end up being Carolina for Nemhard. There are some people that seem to believe that they have contacted him, but there's nothing concrete on that. That one to me at this point, you know, I, originally I was focused on Cryer. I think that's the one where I'm like, really, we didn't reach out to him? Because I feel like Nemhard's a guy that would be worth reaching out to. But ultimately, it, it feels like they've kind of got their their list. And I think maybe what they what, what, what they think is that this, you know, this backcourt's in good hands with the guys that are here and with Simeon Wilcher coming in. So I, I guess at that point, it's really just about trusting Hubert Davis and his staff. Um, the good news is, is that it looks like the position that we were most concerned about and uh, that they needed to go out and get guys, which was that really the, the, on the wings at the three and the stretch four. Uh, so far, they've addressed that twice so i i think that's that's something you can be confident in. yeah and i mean you know like like i said there's no one on this roster that should have that should stand in the way of getting a guy like lj cryer into the program getting a guy like nimhard into the program but the fact that they've been reluctant to to kind of go after those types of guys either makes you make, makes you think they feel a very confident in the guys that they have on the roster, the guys that will be joining the roster this offseason, or they just have something, you know, that they've got other things in the works that are going to take care of themselves. Needless to say, they've still got they've still got a lot of work to do, but the good news is they do have a lot of options as how they want to see the roster fill out for the 23-24 season. Um moving on, um, to to uh, former Tar Heels that have found 
new places to play basketball starting next year. You mentioned Justin McCoy. He is a, he is transferred to Hawaii. What a great way to spend your final year of, of college basketball on the island. That'll be a great experience for him. Um, the most notable one that we're gonna that we're actually gonna sit here and talk about is Caleb Love going to Michigan. I was on the air when when this news broke last week, and I got asked what I thought about him going to Michigan, and I said, "quote He deserved Jawan Howard," which probably comes across Dang. a little harsh um, because of the way I feel about Jawan Howard. There's a chance Carolina. Uh, can well, there's another chance that Carolina can see Michigan in a in a, in a tournament this the, 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 this upcoming year, and I hope at all costs that gets avoided because as as bad of feelings as we had about Caleb Love and the way that he played this year, a lot of it was unfair the way that you know the fan base talked about him, myself included. I still don't want to see him play against Carolina because I don't know if I could handle him having, you know, a Caleb Love day where he goes for like 36 against us. I would have liked to see him go at a place where I could probably root for him a little easier. Michigan just isn't that place for me. It used to be. I I used to be a big John Beeline fan and loved the way he ran his program, taking that program to the Final Four in the National Championship. Uh, and multiple national title game appearances. But Jawan Howard kind of ruined that for me. I think the guy um, is a scumbag, and I don't think he's going to do anything to really help Caleb Love achieve his goal of playing professional basketball in the NBA. When you saw Caleb Love wind up and, and choose Michigan as his school, kind of what went through your head and, and, and how were your thoughts processed knowing that it is official. You know, we knew he wasn't going to play Carolina or play for Carolina again, but now he's going to another big time program in Michigan, and there's a chance we could see him face up against the Heels next year. I mean, look, I, I wish him. I clearly, I wish him the best, and I mean, I'd love for him to be able to potentially make the tournament. I mean, I, I don't want Carolina to see him. I, I don't. To be honest with you, I just don't think it would be. You know, there's the element of what you're talking about of him coming in, dropping a 40 piece on Carolina and rolling. Um, I think the the bigger concern is that you, you, you don't want a guy that gave you one of your best moments in program history coming out on the court and being booed. Cause there, there will be fans that if Carolina faces them, there will be Toriel fans that will boo him at some point. Um, and that's, you know, I just, to me, he doesn't deserve that. Um, in terms of, you know, him going to Michigan and the fit there, I mean, I think it's certainly interesting. I think with with Hunter Dickinson's comments uh, about the way that that team was coached this past year, basically funneling everything towards Jet Howard, um, th- that that is <laughs> – it's an interesting fit, to say the least. Um, do I think that he will be given the same um, treatment as Jet Howard was? Probably not. It, you know, <laughs> you, you're talking about the son of the coach. Um, to be, you know, and, and let's be real here. I'm what I'm saying is, first of all, it's absolutely pathetic that 
Jawan Howard basically ran everything for his son to get the basketball. Like, I mean, you see that in with with AAU teams. You see that with high school basketball teams. Um, you don't see that with college teams. I've never seen anything like that. Not at not at the power conference level. We've seen it like Patrick Baldwin Jr. went and played for his dad at you know, the University of Milwaukee, that makes sense. He's clearly the most talented guy there. I we we watched multiple games this past year of Michigan because they were a team that was on the bubble. Hell, we played them at one point. There is no point where I ever thought to myself, man, Jed Howard's the best player on the floor. Not even, not even close. Like, I mean, he was what, the the third or fourth best player on his own team? And they were drawing up plays for him. Like, how Kobe Bufkin wasn't the guy that was getting the majority of the shots is mind-blowing. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I I think it's, you know, if if you're just going off of the success of the program and, and, you know, the recent past here, you know, not just last season, but, you know, over the last 10 or so years, yeah, you feel pretty good for Caleb Love. He's going to a program that's had a lot of success. But I, 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 in terms of for his development, is this the best thing for him? I don't know. Probably not. But the thing is, is like, okay, if he goes to Missouri, you know, Dennis Gates, I mean, we've seen him. I, I got to be honest, I didn't watch a ton of Missouri this year. So I don't really know what the the coaching style of Dennis Gates from what I saw of him in the conference tournament and, you know, into the NCAA tournament saw him like once or twice during the regular season. He seems like a relatively calm guy. So I don't really know how that would work out with Caleb Love. If he's a guy that would be kind of like Hubert um, would kind of just let him do his thing. Um, And then Indiana, see, I thought Indiana would be the best fit for him. I really did because I, I thought a guy like Mike Woodson, who's been at the NBA level, who's coached a guy like that before, like we we know this as Nick fans. We absolutely love Carmelo Anthony. But Carmelo Anthony, when he was in New York, especially, you know, late in the Mike Woodson era, it was pretty much an isolation offense. Which, I mean, when you got into the fourth quarter, the final seven minutes of the game were literally get across half court, give the ball to Melo if he if he's not the guy bringing it across half court and stand and 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 get out of the way. And I think, you know, him having that experience as a coach, Caleb being a similar ish type player at times, I think that might have worked out best if those two guys could have worked together. And potentially Mike Woodson would have been able to sort of help him correct some of those issues and help him get to the NBA. But uh, that's just my opinion. Other guys that have found new homes, Tyler Nickel, he's going back home. He will play for Mike Young at Virginia Tech. And then Dontres Styles. there was a lot of smoke around him maybe going to play for Kevin Keats and rival NC State. That doesn't happen, uh, but he does wind up at Georgetown. He'll be a part of Ed Cooley's efforts to rebuild that once proud program in the Big East. So Caleb Love to Michigan, Tyler Nickel to Virginia Tech, Dontres Styles to Georgetown, 
Justin McCoy to Hawaii. They all former Tar Heels that have found new homes. Puff Johnson has yet to announce where it is exactly he will next be playing his college basketball. One last thing to touch on before we do get out of here, just some scheduling news for next year. Um, Carolina will host Radford on November 6th to open up the 2023-2024 season. A team I saw live in person while I was covering the Big South Tournament right here in Charlotte. They will also host UC Riverside on November 17th. And next year in the Jumpman Invitational that is played in the Spectrum Center where the Charlotte Hornets play as a part of the NBA, the Carolina will take on Oklahoma in the second-ever edition of the Jumpman Invitational. So um, with that, guys... That is going to wrap up this edition of the show. A whole lot to talk. We had a whole lot to talk to you guys about today. The future, the direction of the pod, Carolina landing, its second transfer, other transfers, finding a new home, and so much more. In the meantime, we do encourage you guys to visit our website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where any news that trickles out from Carolina basketball will be found there. We got an article up about... The Jalen with the the, the Jalen Withers commitment. Any more players at Carolina were to land this offseason, we'll have you covered there. Spring football does come to an end this weekend with the spring game. Anthony has you covered on all things Tar Heel football. Uh, so you can find all that great football and basketball coverage. That's heeltoughblog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're still on all the major uh podcasting platforms. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball off season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>